Section 8 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truth of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis D. Segur. Pleasure and Happiness There is no error which is more pernicious or more prevalent in the present day than the confusion of these two ideas, pleasure and happiness. Pleasure is the satisfaction of the senses. Happiness is the satisfaction of the heart. Pleasure is material and is ever more or less sensual. Happiness is of a wholly different nature. It dwells within the soul and raises man above matter. There is as much difference and disproportion between pleasure and happiness as between the body and the soul. And to confuse these two ideas is to fall into an ignoble and deplorable materialism. Pleasure is the happiness of the beast, of the animal which has no soul, which has only outward instincts and lives only through the senses. Man is, it is true, susceptible to pleasure, since he has a body with its senses, but his vocation lifts him infinitely higher. He has a reasonable soul, capable of knowing the truth, of loving and desiring the good. He lives on earth only that he may go to heaven, where perfect happiness shall be his everlasting heritage. Therefore, our happiness consists first upon earth and afterwards in heaven, in the complete repose and full satisfaction of all the faculties of the soul. And if in this world so few are happy, it is because so few seek happiness there, where alone it may be found. The greater part believe that they obtain happiness in the satisfaction of their senses and the desires of their lower passions, thus confusing pleasure with happiness. In youth especially this error is almost universal, and nothing but the marvelous teaching of the Catholic faith can provide the young with a remedy against this dangerous temptation and with efficacious means by which they may resist it. The profligate seeks happiness in the full indulgence of his lower nature, and finding nothing but a sinful pleasure, feels ever in his heart a void, an unknown and unsatisfied need, which is nothing but the need of that happiness he cannot obtain. The ambitious man imagines that he will gain happiness if he can only make a name in the world and rise to a high position and become a leader amongst men. For this he labors and lives, and in nine cases out of ten he falls far short of success since worldly honors are somewhat difficult of attainment. And even when, having distanced a host of competitors, he reaches the goal for which he has striven, he finds greatness but a vain delusion, and that pinnacle to which his pride has raised him an utter weariness and a bitter disappointment. And why? Because happiness is not there, and the true needs of the soul are still unsatisfied. With the miser it is the same. How many men are misers without being conscious of it? Avarice indeed does not solely consist in amassing gold and silver. It consists more especially in an engrossing attachment to gold and silver. It is the worship of money, of riches, and this religion has many devotees. 
These are they who, whatever their calling, put riches in the place of happiness, and, in order to satisfy the heart, endeavor to fill the purse. But they labor in vain, they heap money in vain. The heart cannot, like the purse, be filled with sovereigns. Where, then, is happiness? And how shall we enter into the designs of the great and merciful God who created us to be happy? By leading a pure and Christian life on earth, and thus preparing ourselves for that blessed and eternal rest in which the soul, united to the risen and glorified body, shall enjoy the perfect possession of its last end, even God Himself. Christians alone know here below the secret of true happiness, that happiness which no power on earth can take from them, and which is independent of the vicissitudes of life. God alone, for whom and in whom Christians live, can satisfy the deep need of the soul. He alone reserves for Himself, as an inaccessible domain, the depth of the hearts He has created for His glory. Therefore, if we desire to be happy on earth and in heaven, let us serve Him faithfully and avoid sin, which is ever the harbinger of misfortune. Let us labor without ceasing to fulfill the holy law of God, and thus shall we surely attain the perfect repose of eternal felicity. End of section 8